Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of The Front Office, brought to you by Royal Farms, home of the world's greatest chicken and the area's best-tasting coffee. I'm Tony Lombardi, and today I'm joined by Brian McFarlane of Russell Street Report. Brian, how are you on this chilly Wednesday afternoon? Good, Tony. I'm about done with winter. I know it hasn't really been that bad, but I guess in general I'm done with winter. But um, here's the spring arriving soon, please. <laughs> yeah, I know we talked about that before. The older you get, the worse you hate the cold. So I'm with you on that. For sure. <laughs> so, Brian, the, the Zay Flower saga has ended, or, or, or maybe they just hit the pause button. And what I mean is the official word is that the investigation has been suspended, not terminated, not closed suspended now you are far closer to the law given your professional practice that to be clear to the listening audience isn't as a litigator in criminal cases but let me ask you this does suspended sound like this is done or that they may revisit the case later i mean my guess is based on what i was what i've read on the reports that are out there is that suspended they the the victim, the alleged victim, did not cooperate. Um, she did not identify uh, who the assailant was. She mentioned it was a football player between the two, uh, the police department in Massachusetts and the police department here. They kind of connected the dots. But to get a criminal conviction of conviction beyond a reasonable doubt uh, without without an independent witness, Without a video, Mr. Rice, um, you know, without the victim being willing to testify and coming forward, uh, that's so. I think suspended means they can always reopen it if, and in any case, even oh, sorry about my dog there. Any, um, any, uh, sorry, any case that um, that um, can always be reopened. Uh, the case can always be reopened, of course. So um, that's that's where it becomes, uh, I mean, with that, without any future evidence, without any additional evidence, I, I, it's closed for all intent and purposes. I would say. So um, now that's that's the legal stand. That's from the legal side. Uh, the NFL has shown that they can, uh, regardless of whether there's a conviction or not, can suspend a player. Now, obviously, they do their own investigating, but again, I can't imagine, and obviously the NFL's done some things I can't imagine before, but uh, um, I can't imagine without, if nobody's going to cooperate and nobody's going to come forward, and again, if there's no independent witness or, or video, um, I, I don't see how they could do anything, but uh, again, stranger things have happened with the NFL. Because if they did something and none of those things that you just pointed out existed or, or exist for them to be able to point to it and say, this is substantial evidence, you know, I don't know how you can suspend a player just because someone accused him of doing something or, or someone or he's even loosely affiliated with something like that because then any player can become a target for anybody in the world if they want to try to, you know, get money out of them or something, you know, because no. Yeah. And I mean, the NFL has their security department that, you know, is a lot of ex uh, investigators, ex policemen, uh, police women. Um, so, uh, you know, they can certainly dig into it, but without something to hang their hat on, 
on. And again, you know, if if the victim said on the you know the nine one one call that it was a flowers, that's a wholly different ballgame, right? Um, because that's probably enough for them to suspend. Because remember, they don't. I mean, criminal standards beyond a reasonable doubt. So so prosecutors got to have things feel like they got things pretty buttoned up to want to uh, file charges. But in, in this case, you know, if there's nothing other than uh, the police departments kind of going through social media and figuring out that the victim might have been dating Zay Flowers or dated Zay Flowers or whatever it was, uh, that's that's clearly not enough of a connection. And, and, you know, seemingly the victim, you know, decided not to pursue it, whatever you want to call it. And so, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I think unless something else comes up, that's not known publicly and that the, that the police don't know because the police, the NFL is going to know everything the police know. Um, so, um, but if there's nothing else there, I, I don't see how anything comes of it from here. Okay. On, on to some other topics. The, the combine begins on February 26th, runs through March 4th. And I don't know that you even know this, but uh, Russell street reports, Nikhil Meta, he's going to be on hand for that. It's going to be the first time that Russell street report has actually covered the combine. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he's going to be there on hand. He's going to spend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights there and uh, dial into probably the things that the Ravens need the most or at least the perception of the things that the Ravens need the most. So that, that'll be interesting. And, and then, you know, there a, a deadline just passed this, this past Monday, Brian, on February 19th, the void, the, the void deadline, which the Ravens, they got out of one by – or not getting out of one, but they did sign Nelson Aguilar – that deal is done. Uh, talk about the terms, what you know of that deal right now. Yeah, so that's it. All we know is there was a report this morning. It was only one source, um, but it is a, a national writer. I can't remember what site he writes for now, but um, that it was a one-year, $3.75 million deal. Um, now, that could, be, that could be the deal, signing bonus and salary, and it's 375 uh, if it's a one-year deal, that could be it. What we don't know if they added void years, which would make, the, even though it's a $1.375 million deal, that would not mean the whole thing would hit this year based on, we, we don't know what the bonus is, but if the bonus prorated over uh, you know, five years, so that would lower it. Uh, we don't know, unfortunately, uh, whether that is the base deal and there are incentives on top of that. Or if that's the max deal, which means it includes incentives that uh, may not hit the cap this year. And, and if he earns them, they would hit next year's cap, depending upon what they were. So, um, you know, it, it's it's in line. His deal, deal last year was, I believe, uh, 3.25, so three and a quarter. So, I mean, it's a only it's seeming like a $500,000 raise over last year. So it's right in line with that. Um, but, you know, the details to, to know how it affects this year's cap uh, still to be determined. Now, he had a one point six six eight million dollar avoidable option that was coming due February 19th. How does that impact his cap figure in 2024? Right. So that was the amount for the last four prorations from last year's signing bonus. So um, basically. Uh, what that means is, and again, we don't know exactly how this deal is structured, uh, but if it is, if it's just, if there are no void years, uh, well, actually, either way, for that, 
it wouldn't it that wouldn't matter. So that uh, so basically a quarter of that will still count against this year's cap. Uh, and then the other three quarters. So that's that's four hundred and seventeen thousand. So that so his cap number this year will be that four hundred and seventeen thousand plus whatever his cap number is from the new deal. So if it is the whole three point seven five, then his cap number is going to be a little over uh, four million this year. Um, if they added void years to the new deal, then it'll again, it'll be less uh, if uh, if he, there's no extension next year. Um, then that uh, the remaining roughly 1.2, a little over 1.2, um, and so 1.251 million, uh, which is the remaining void years, would hit next year's cap. So they've they've just. I mean, this one wasn't going to make or break them as far as um, the Zeitlers was the one that was the more serious hit this year. Um, but it's obviously they've they have. Um, you know, move that 1.25 out till next year, which with a tight cap this year, that's a good thing. Okay, so now the deadlines on the voidable options passed um, and those that the Ravens did nothing with amounted to about $8.3 million in dead money against the cap. And you, met, you mentioned Kevin Zeitler. They also included Gus Edwards, Rocky Sin, and Geno Stone to get to that 8.3 that's remaining. Do the Ravens have any options with that, or is that $8.3 million in dead money signed, sealed, delivered? That's the end of the story. Yeah, that's set in stone. Uh, once that deadline, once Monday's deadline passed, those became set in stone. Uh, it doesn't preclude them from resigning, guys, um, but it, it probably lessens it because there was, this was, while this wasn't a hard deadline, um, it was certainly a deadline you would have liked to have gotten guys done. Now, Zeitler's probably because he's over four million of that eight point three. So he is probably the one um, and he's probably the one everybody wanted back the most. Uh, but it does make it harder because if he signs a new contract with a six million dollar cap number, then he's going to count over 10 million, whereas otherwise he would have counted about seven. So that makes a difference there. The other guys are more in line. Well, well, Stones was very Stones was only six hundred thousand, so that that's not going to make or break them. That's not going to keep them from resigning him in any way. If if it came out that way, I don't I don't think it will. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to go on to you know a more lucrative deal than what he's going to get here. But uh, and but for Ryan Yassin, I'm not sure they want him back anyway. Uh, Gus Edwards, is, I think, was about one point eight uh, of that. Um, again, it doesn't preclude them. I think they'd still re-sign him because it's not going to change things drastically. The one to, if you were going to get one done, the one to get done was Zeitler. Of course, they had already technically, originally, they had seven guys with uh, with void years. They they took care of Beckham's by that restructure they did, which we talked about last week. Uh, and of course, they re-signed Pierce. Uh, and of course, they re-signed uh, Aguilar. So they re-signed Pierce back in uh, early January. So so they 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 did a decent job. The original um void year dead not dead money this year would have been 23.617 million so they got down that down to 8.3 with the maneuvers for the three guys and of course beckham's was a huge part of that so um so they did good work there uh, i think you know most ravens fans would have liked to see zeitler back and that one more uh that one more gotten done well, Brian, you said that it doesn't necessarily preclude them from doing extensions with any of these players but wouldn't it, on the face value of it all, 
wouldn't you think that if those things were going to get done with those players, and, and let's just say Zeitler and, and Gus Edwards for right now, because Stone's as good as gone, and Yassin is, is – he he wasn't worth the money they, they signed him for to begin with. But So if it, we're just going to fo- focus on Zeitler and Gus, and, and you say it doesn't preclude them from doing any extension with them or signing them to a new deal anyway – wouldn't you think if they were actually close on terms that they would have gotten this done with this soft deadline of February 19th? Yeah, I mean, you would think so. But, you know, I mean, when players are this close to free agency, that can change things a bit, um, you know, and obviously it depends on, obviously, you know, the team and you know, using Zeitler, the team and Zeitler had different, uh, you know, different opinions on his value. Um, one of them will probably prove to be right. Uh, maybe it's somewhere in the middle, who knows, ultimately. So it may be a situation where the player just needs to hit the market. And, you know, again, if they're right, they're going to get a better deal and they'll be happy they didn't take the Ravens offer. If the Ravens are right, maybe, you know, maybe they, they work it out so they can come back because the player and his agent thought that, you know, the market was going to be better. You know, we saw, we've seen that before with players, um, I think Pat Ricard is probably the, the most obvious one. Um, and Brad, Bradley Bozeman a couple of years ago, too. Now, he didn't resign here, but, you know, there was talk of those guys getting eight to 11 million per year on their deals. And Bozeman signed for a one year deal for six, I think. And then um, Ricard did come back, but it was at about four million a year, not eight million a year. So, um, you know, so that that all, you know, it's all about value and. And, it, you know, some players, if they're this close to the, you know, a month, they're a month away from the beginning of the new league year, the player and agent may say, we think we can get more as much as we like being here. And I mean, Zeitler made it very clear he wanted to stay, but um, but obviously their values were apart and the Ravens having a tight cap and and some, you know, the three guards, uh, three young guards on the roster, maybe they felt, um, you know, they were only going to go so far and, you know, that didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, with Zeitler, it's kind of a, an interesting case. Since Eric DaCosta's taken over as the general manager, he seems to target guys on the roster who are coming up to free agency, but extending them before they get there. You know, the first one that comes off the top of my mind is Roquan Smith. So, you know, he's done that, and for guys that they seem to like, they'll do that. And you and I had this conversation last year, about Zeitler being a guy, if they extended him, would free up some cap space in 2023, and it would make sense. So Zeitler has a good season. The Eric DaCosta during that uh, postseason press conference, uh, you know, he spewed accolade, accolades about Kevin Zeitler. Zeitler talks like he wants to stay, and nothing gets done. But I, I guess it just all comes back to what you were saying that they didn't strike while the iron was hot. The iron was probably hot last year when he was still under contract. Now that he's got nothing to lose by testing free agency, why not do it? Yeah, and I mean, that may have been something that, that you know, last year when they redid his deal, just that restructured and just added void years, they didn't add any real years. Um, now, at that time, who knows? I mean, it could have been they just didn't. You know, maybe I think in hindsight, I guess it is they couldn't find the right number on value. Um you know, the thought was that he might get the Marshall Yonda treatment. You you keep tacking on a year every year and until that helps you with the cap. And then, you know, then uh, if the play, if he retires, it's okay. 
Um, but whether at that time they were, he was considering retirement or just wasn't sure, or or maybe you know again in hindsight they just weren't they weren't able to you know they weren't able to come to a, a meeting of the minds on what the right value was. You're listening to the front office. I'm Tony Lombardi. I'm here with Russell Street Reports Brian McFarlane. The front office is brought to you by Royal Farms, home of the world's freshest coffee on the planet. Right now, for just $3, any size coffee and a Royal Farms brand bakery item for just 3 bucks. Royal Farms, real fresh, real fast. Brian, I wanted to talk a little bit about the franchise tag. Yesterday marked the first day that players could be given the franchise tag. When does that window close? Yeah, that's it's a it's a two week window. So it's it's the well, it's it's so it's Tuesday, the whatever date that is, the first, uh, the second Tuesday of or maybe it's the first Tuesday. Um, so it opened on the 19th. It closes. I'm sorry. Open on the 20th. It closes on the 5th, which okay. is about a week before free agency begins. OK, so typically when a club is going to hit a player with a franchise tag, it seems like those things come towards the end of that window. True or false? Yeah, for the most part. I saw an interesting thing on that, which I'll come back to in a second. But, um, yeah, that that's usually the case, it seems. Um, because for whatever reason, it seems like once you slap the tag on the player, everything just comes to a halt. So what you, what you want is, from the team perspective, is you want to have that hammer over the player as you're negotiating a deal that is look you're going to be here one way or another so let's get a deal done um but uh, you know and if, if it doesn't obviously if you can't get there then you you use the tag and then it seems like deals on it you know uh lamar's got done in in uh, april last year i guess it was uh but um usually those deals then don't get if they're going to get done they don't get done done till uh right before the july 15th cutoff when the player can no longer be signed to a long-term deal. They have after the 15th, they have to play under the one-year franchise tag. So, um, so for whatever reason, it seems like those things just come to a halt. And, you know, if we're talking about Justin Matabike, which is the most likely candidate, you know, on a 20 to 21 million stuck on your cap, you'd kind of like to get a, a long-term deal. We definitely would not kind of, you'd definitely like to get a long-term deal done before then i did see something interesting and i guess it depends on the player and the team but with the combine coming up uh and all the agents descending is it in is it in um where is it this year is it indianapolis or it is yes it is okay it's back in indianapolis so with all the with all the agents uh descending on indianapolis there was the thought that you use the tag this week although i don't think anybody has yet but um and that way everybody just doesn't talk about your player anymore because you're going to get, you're under the franchise tag and most, most, you know, most teams aren't going to go out there and do offer sheets for two first round picks. So I thought that was an interesting comment. I don't know that it plays out that way. Uh, but if, if it is, you know, using Matabike, you know, because of, let's face it, the, the agents and, and team executives are talking whether they're not, whether they're supposed to be or not, whether, you know, whether there's tampering or not. Um, so, you know, in that case, you know, if the Ravens think they've got a good offer on the table for Matabike and they feel like they're close and some other team executive talks to Matabike's agent and says, and just blows them out of the water, that makes it that much harder to get a deal done with Matabike. Whereas if you, if you 
apply the tag before everybody gets to Indianapolis, maybe you cut off those kinds of kinds of conversations and you don't get undercut for lack of a better way of saying it. So uh, I don't think that's, I thought it was an interesting way of looking at it. I think there's some merit to it, but I don't think the history of the tag really plays out that way. Yeah. And I would think that Justin Mabike sounds like a guy who likes playing in Baltimore. The Ravens obviously like him. So you kind of want to keep those negotiations friendly and, and, when you have those kinds of discussions, it seems to pave the way for more compromise. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and that's why, you know, that's why I think most teams don't use the tag until they have to. And that is, you know, that's that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right before the tag deadline on the fifth. So the Ravens have tagged eight players in team history. And those are for those who maybe have forgotten. Wally Williams was the first. <laughs> yeah. Then there was Chris McAllister. Uh, Terrell Suggs, Haloti Nada, he had a rocky go with that for a little while. Ray Rice, I had forgotten this when I looked it up. Justin Tucker was tagged. Yes, yes, he was. Matt Judon, yeah. last year, Lamar Jackson. So Yeah, and like- to my recollection, Judon, play- Judon and Suggs one year, because I think Suggs was tagged twice, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so only Judon and Suggs, well, actually Wally Williams. Well, maybe I don't remember if Wally played. I don't remember if he signed long-term. I think, I don't think he did. So I think those are the three that actually played on the tag. And I think in Wally's case, it was kind of a surprise because there's an interior lineman. And usually, especially back then, because the tag is more based on it's the highest played offensive lineman. They don't break it down to interior and, and tackles. So um, he was getting paid based on the tackle money, which if you're an interior guy, especially back then, it was worth risking it all one year <laughs> to uh, to get that one year payout that you weren't you know that you weren't going to see on a long term deal probably. Right, there wasn't any bonus money, but he wasn't hating life being paid like a tackle. Exactly for a year for sure. Right. So so Matabike's his number if he's franchised is what almost twenty one million. Yeah, it's about 20 point, um, uh, let's see, um, yeah, yeah, 20 point, yeah, 20.9, so yeah, so um, that's a rough number, but yeah, so it's just going to probably be just under 20, 21 million. Um, he did play, I don't think he played enough, but I know they had him line up at edge a lot um, also, so um, I don't think the Raven, the, the edge actually – the defensive end number is, is slightly lower. So I, 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 so I feel strongly the Ravens will tag him as a tackle. I don't think they're going to try to that. I mean, again, that, that creates some bad blood there. Um, Cause I think most people consider him a tackle, even though it's a slightly higher number, it's about 700 grand more. So it's not the end of the world either. Right. So if he, if he's tagged, he is roughly $21 million. If he's not tagged a market deal for Matabike, what is his first year cap number? Just your estimate. Yeah, I mean, a market deal probably puts his, uh, you know, puts his his actually his yearly average kind of above that. But just using because it's a nice it's a nice um, uh, um, comparison. And I guess Matabike's will probably be a little higher, but Roquan Smith's was twenty million a year. His first year cap number was on a five year deal, so it was a hundred million. His first year cap number was eight million. So 
um, that would probably be where they would want to uh, try to make it happen. Um, so it could be maybe it's up to 10, uh, but it's in it would probably be in that 8 to 10 range. So that's a big chunk of change if they can get him extended, that's for sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, always you want you want that player extended. Um, actually, I take that back. Rokon's first year cap number is nine, so it was pretty close. So, uh, but yes, I mean, when you're saving ten or so million, ten to eleven million, maybe twelve million, um, that's a big difference in that whether that's guys you don't have to restructure that you'd rather not, um, or whether that's money you're going to restructure all these guys anyway, and that's just money that you actually have to spend on the market, which is would be a little surprising for the Ravens, but, uh, you know, over the years, they definitely have gone out at times, you know, Marcus Williams kind of came out of the blue. Um, actually it's been mostly safeties. Earl Thomas came out of the blue. Um, so every once in a while they do go out on the market and go grab a, you know, a premium free agent. Yeah. Those two premium free agents, ironically were safeties that, and so far, I mean, different reasons, but Marcus Williams hasn't performed the level of his contract yet either. No, fingers crossed that, you know, he gets back to his New Orleans days when he was, you know, 100 percent healthy all the time. <laughs> and uh, and, you know, we can uh, we can see the the true uh, you know center fielder that they were expecting. And certainly those first couple of games he played uh, two years ago, he looked great yeah, he uh, until he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, he, that Miami game, I think his first game, he had two picks in, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he nearly had a third pick. So that was. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so hopefully he gets back to 100% and he's out there on the field and patrolling center field as the Ravens paid him to do. Uh, last I checked, number 54 is still on the roster, Tyus Bowser. Any chance he stays? I would be highly surprised. And obviously we don't know what the uh, what the issue was. And, you know, DaCosta kind of danced around it. And obviously Harbaugh had been dancing around it um, during the year. But Harbaugh's responses were – somewhat seemed somewhat frustrated and I don't know if it was because he was just frustrated answering the question again <laughs> or if he was fr frustrated with the whole deal um you know they they never said he was never going to be back uh, you know at any given point but they also never said he's going to be back soon <laughs> so I, I don't know what that was um but there is a lot of cap savings there at 5.5 million I mean they could certainly use him with you know with Clowney and Van Noy as free agents and uh, Jabo coming off another injured se injured season. So in a way they could use him, but I don't know. It just feels like, you know, br bridges were burned there. Um, so, um, but they don't have any rush to do that. Um, they may be waiting for uh, a physical before releasing him uh, because of uh, what's called termination pay, or I'm sorry, this is injury protection benefit. So while that 5.5 million in savings they could lose a million to a million and a half uh, um, of if he cannot play next year. So, uh, and I think I, I'm trying to remember the cornerback they had a few years ago that they, everybody was like, why haven't they released him yet? He, he was with the Patriots before the Ravens. Um, uh, I don't even remember. I don't remember if he even played at all, but the one year he definitely got hurt the one year and um, they didn't release him until June because they were trying to, get him to, you know, they were trying for him to be healthy so he could take a physical and pass, and then there wouldn't be any injury protection benefit available to him. Is Claiborne sound like the, like the right guy? No, no, I'm, I can't remember. 
I can't remember. I, like I said, he I, he might have gotten hurt his first year and never played. I think he did. I think he got concussed in like training camp and never played. And I'll, I he don't think he ever played again. Um, so they were hoping that he you know he would come out of the uh, concussion protocol, but I guess he he never did. So they ended up their cap get ended up getting hit for that. So that may be a reason why they haven't you know they haven't done anything yet. Uh, and it may be reason why it might take them a little longer to do, but at some point they'll want, you know, they're still going to get the bulk of that 5.5 in savings. So at some point they might have to do it. Uh, and if, you know, if he plays next year, then he's not entitled to it. Um, so he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have to pass the physical now, but teams want them to pass the physical so that there's no question about it later. Yeah. Um, uh, Bowser's young. So he, he, unless the, he is truly unable to, play again you would think he'd find a way to play um so but that that's one of those that remains to be seen as well you know when you look at 2023 and you mentioned that da costa dodged the question a little bit harbaugh has dodged the question and a lot of times during the season when he was asked about tyus bowser john harbaugh he stopped short of throwing his hands up in the air like i don't (laughs) i don't know what to tell you and So if they take make, you know, he could be a good player. Maybe he could benefit too from the addition of Chuck Smith to the coaching staff. But I don't think it's worth the risk to even trying to find out because if a guy's going to be like that about, you know, he's got to be a hundred percent ready to play if he's going to step foot on the field. I don't know if that's the kind of player you want to have in your team at five point five million dollars. If it's a one million dollar deal, okay, take the chance. But at five point five million dollars, I, I don't. You know, I'd hate to see it happen where they say, okay, we're going to take a chance on him. We think Chuck Smith will help him out. He's going to be a good player for us. We're going to lose Clowney and Van Noy, so we need to have him back. But then game two, here we go again. Yeah, I mean, that hadn't been his, you know, his his reputation seemingly prior. Um, so, I mean, I think but the bottom line, the only way he's back is if he takes a substantial pay cut. I mean, and they could, you know, they could allow him to, I mean, they could allow him to make it back up. So they didn't play any games last year. They could easily craft uh, incentives that would allow him if he, you know, if he plays 10 games, he gets a million dollars. If he plays 15 games, he gets another million dollars. I'm just, you know, throwing numbers out there um, so that he could, you know, if he, if, if, but they, I mean, he'd have to almost take it down, honestly, to a veteran minimum number, which would save them about $4 million. And then, you know, they could have they could craft incentives maybe um, that would, you know, be able to make allow him to make that back up, whether it's, again, games played sacks because, you know, five sacks, he gets, you know, a certain 500,000, something like that, because since he has no stats from last year, they'd all be not likely to be earned, which would all mean which means they wouldn't count on this year's cap, but would count in 25 if he earned them. So. Um, so, I mean, that's possible, but it just seems like there was a disconnect there. Um, so I, I don't, that doesn't seem likely, but you, you never know, I guess. Ryan, to wrap things up, the Ravens cap picture today, including those $8.3 million in dead money from the avoidable option years. Yeah. So we don't know Aguilar's number yet. So it, it's kind of hard to say. It's a right around $5 million. Um, I had been, I've been including those voids already. So for the four guys that are still uh, that actually that I'm sorry, that that contracts voided, that's the exact same number because they didn't technically have a salary 
um, with the void years anyway. So I just included the accelerated void years already. So so that doesn't change anything. Um, so it's just a matter of Aguilar was going to count about the 1.668. Um, so it's just a matter of, uh, you know, how much more he's going to count, uh, count now based on whatever the new numbers are from his deal. All right, Brian. Well, that's it for the front office today. Brian and I will be back again next Wednesday. Thanks to all who have listened. And a special thanks to Royal Farms, without whom this podcast is not possible. Royal Farms, real fresh, real fast. We'll talk to you next week, everyone. Thanks again.